When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, hey, take a second before we get started to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, whether that's YouTube or Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, really wherever. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound, and we'd love to keep you up to date. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Brian Ritchie of the band Violent Femmes. We're going to start by heading back to 1989 to talk about the 30th anniversary of their album, Three. This was the fourth album that the band put out. And the thing is, there was never a lot written about it, or at least that's stood the test of digital time. So it's a bit of a fact-finding mission to get the story about a really good record in the band's catalog, amongst other really good records. The band had just came off of a hiatus, sort of being broken up, and we're going to get the story behind that, as well as the background behind songs like Nightmares and Lies and Fat. Brian Ritchie also put out a solo record that year in 1989 called Sonic Temple. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. And then we get an update on what the band's up to next. In fact, there is a new record. It's coming out this year, and Brian tells us all about that as well. It's Kyle Meredith with Violent Femmes. Hi, Kyle. How are you? 
So we're going to be heading back to uh, to 1989 for the bulk of this to talk about a little record called Three that uh, that just turned uh, 30 years old. <laughs> now you know you know what's interesting about this record and, and really about the year is you know there, there's not a lot written about this one uh, you know compared to some of the other Violent Femmes records and and there's not even a lot of archival material to be found around the year 1989 for you all. So so I guess I'm on a bit of a fact finding mission uh, for this one. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start a little easy. I mean, just what comes to mind when you think about this record? Well, we, uh, we had been split up for about two or, or three years, I guess. Um, and then this was our getting back together, and, and, the, and we did that in the studio. So, you know, we just convened in the recording studio without having rehearsed the songs or anything and, and made the album. So it's pretty straightforward recording process. Yeah. And, you know, not a whole lot of thought went into it. <laughs> it's interesting because I really do love this record. I, I think it's a great record. It sort of got lost uh, in the uh, in the shuffle of the uh, your discography, I think, over time. Although I find in some comment sections that this record definitely has its fans. But, you know, backing up there, that, that's an interesting thing because that is part of this album's story. You know, you all had been split up for a few years. And, and that sort of became the in and outs of the band. Did you ever feel like the story had become bigger than the music by this point? Not really. I mean, it's bands go on hiatus all the time. So, like, if we, I mean, we knew that we were split up, but we may as well have just not been doing anything, like, as bands frequently don't do something. So it's not that unusual that we wouldn't have made a, a record for a few years. I mean, it was only, I think, two or three years between Blind Leading the Naked and Three. So. That's a normal time span anyway. So I didn't think of it as being very unusual. But, um, yeah, it was unusual. It was the first time that we went into the studio without having, you know, been playing the songs live. A couple of them were maybe in our repertoire already, but most of it was new material. So so was everybody sort of bringing in some ideas? I mean, how did those sessions work? We work very, very fast. You know, like, for example, we just made a new album in five days. And it was the same thing. You know, we just got together. So Gordon is the main songwriter, and he had uh, the material. And we basically just listen to it and play. I mean, I know this sounds kind of uh, boring, but, you know, we're, we're more like a jazz band or a folk band or, you know, not uh, we're certainly not a, a well-crafted pop band most of the time. <laughs> Usually we're just uh, reacting to the material spontaneously and play whatever is the first thing that comes into mind. Wow. And that's definitely case the case with three. So with that, is it sort of a coincidence that it's, you know, it's been written as a return to basics, I guess, compared to the blind leading the naked and everything. I mean, this did get back to that more folkier sound that we heard during the, uh, especially the first record. We didn't intend to do it that way. Uh, it just turned out that way. We had also the Horns of Dilemma at the recording session. So that was um, Sigmund Snowpeck III and Peter Balistrieri. And they were ready to contribute, but what we found was that the songs were so simple that we ended up doing most of them as a trio. And as a result, the, the record sounds, you know, pretty much back to basics. But that's, I guess that's more a reflection of the material being intimate and simple. So what was the turning point then? I mean, if there had been turmoil in the band, what made you all turn around and say, no, let's do this again? Let's, let's get back in the studio. 
it was inevitable that the, the band would get back together again because we didn't split up for any particularly good reason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Gordon went off and he was playing with another band and it, it didn't, I guess, work out. So, you know, then he wanted to come back and do the thumbs again. Victor and I had been busying ourselves with producing uh, other artists and, um, you know, making some solo records and playing with jazz musicians and doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Milwaukee. So, yeah, I guess we heard from, I think, the management probably and the record company. Obviously, they, they would have an interest in us getting back together again. So it was... You have to remember, this is, as you said, 30 years ago, right, and right. back then, making records, releasing records, it was uh, something that, that bands did as a matter of course. I mean, it was, it was like, that's how you do it. You release a record, then you tour. Mm -hmm. Then you record another record, then you release it, and then you tour. So it was always like this kind of a cycle going on, and it just seemed like uh, the way things go. Nowadays, now that the record industry has basically collapsed and people don't any longer buy uh, albums, there's more like you just make the record because you feel like it. Well, I, you mentioned a, a solo record there, and I'm going to bring that up here in a minute uh, as well. But, uh, you know, hitting on a few of the songs of Three while, while we're here, though, you know, Nightmares, you know, it's a lead-off track. It does become the, uh, the lead single and ends up being uh, a number four hit at Modern Rock. And which again, this is one of my favorite singles of year, so I have lots of good things to say about it. But uh, but at the same time, when you look back at history, I don't. Th it doesn't look like it's celebrated as that big of a success. I guess. Well, there were a lot of um, you know a lot of band, great bands happening at that time. So you know we had a we made a very strong mark with our first album, and the second album was uh, Hallowed Ground, which was considered to be a radical. Mm -hmm. departure and then uh, we had the blind leading the naked which was uh, produced by jerry harrison so he had he had an influence on that which was to make it more uh yeah more produced a little bit more finely crafted and complex but not as raw as, as for example our first record was so you know we're talking about our fourth album here and I guess, you know, it's a matter of luck whether or not a song or an album gets traction. We've got a lot of really good songs that, and not only us, but everybody, if you look at any of the really good songwriters, as many hits as, as they've had, they've, they've had misses. But it's just a matter of luck and timing and what else is happening. The video for Nightmares was, that was fairly early in the like the whole video era, and that that I think got a lot of attention. It was a pretty good video, black and white, and it was fun shooting that video. But because <laughs> we were hanging upside down, it was a very interesting process. And it's uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, I haven't listened to this album or watched the video, or uh, I don't do that. But yeah, it, it was it was a fun video. What are you being held up by? I, I saw the video actually. I, I watched it again right before you know I called you. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years either, but but there you are upside down, uh, and and the rest of the band as well. What are you being held up by? It was uh, inversion boots, you know, like uh, we were hanging boots that had hooks on them, uh -huh. hanging from a pole. And uh, yeah, Gordon was quite squeamish about it. He doesn't like being upside down. Imagine that, you know. <laughs> it's like I guess not not something that most people are comfortable with. But yeah, Victor and I could handle it. We 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 enjoyed the process, but. You can't hang upside down for too long. <laughs> there is actually one scene where you, it's you and Victor hanging upside down, but Gordon's on the floor right side up. That's uh... 
Yeah, at a certain point in the filming, he said, okay, I've had enough of this. But Nightmares is a good song, and we still play it live sometimes, and it does get a good response from the audience. So I think it probably is considered part of our canon, as it were. And it's been released on a few compilation albums and maybe live albums and stuff. So it's it's one of our better-known songs. And I'll pull out a couple of the other ones from that, too. The Fat song, I'm completely forgetting the actual title of it right now, but uh, that ended up be, being it's in It's called Fat, it, That's it, it's just called Fat, yeah. It is called Fat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that had a second life, too. Uh, was it Super Size Me that that ended up in, right? Well, that song was a, about, I guess, a relationship gone, gone wrong, and then uh, Gordon's hoping that the girl who has left him gets fat in order that she might then have such low self-esteem that she comes back to Gordon. That's the plot line. That's it. So I guess nowadays that would probably be considered like (laughs) hashtag me too stuff. But at the time, you know, it seemed like a good idea. And that song was really uh, popular. Uh I think it probably was the most popular song on the album when we played, played it live. Well, you have those. I thought it was kind of an inconsequential song, but I guess it's fun, and it, it yeah, I don't, I don't know the the appeal really, but it's, uh, it is popular. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a novelty song in that sort of a way. Uh, I, I still like it too, but I, I see what you're getting at there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just fun and a little bit twisted, <laughs> which you could be said for most of your catalog. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an understatement there. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, and, and really not a question here, but I'll just point up, I mean, full in the full moon, you know, it's, it's an interesting moment because it really turns the volume up. It finds you guys kind of thrashing about a little bit more. And, and then Lies also has sort of became a, a staple throughout the years, hasn't it? Well, it's one of the songs that we play live. I mean, I, I was thinking about this album when I knew I had to uh, interview about it. And it, it's surprising, but, but there are quite a few songs from that album that we still play live, not uh, every night. You know, like we play Blister in the Sun every night, mm-hmm. but uh, once in a while we'll pull out these songs and Lies is one of them. And actually that song is, I mean, look at the whole fake news thing and, you know, the way that the people are still, it, it, he talks about uh, religious leaders and politicians lying to uh, the public. And obviously uh, 30 years later, nothing has changed. So it's a, it's a universal kind of sentiment. That actually uh, segs really nicely into, you know, your solo record that came out that year, which was Sonic Temple. You know, you look at that song America, uh, following right in line with lies there. I mean, show me the American dream, the richer get richer, you know, poor get poorer. This is the the parallel drawn now between the late 80s and where we are, right? We're interested in in folk music and a lot, you know, certain element of folk music is protest songwriting. So, it, 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 with the FEMS or with with our solo projects, it, it hasn't been the main uh, staple of what we do, but it will come up once in a while. How important were your solo records for you at that point? I mean, was that a big outlet release or just something fun you were able to do? Mostly fun and playing with you know playing with uh, local musicians in Milwaukee and uh, touring around. Having you know, I like to keep busy. I'm, I'm a very active person, so. Uh, usually working on a recording and some live shows or, you know, now I, I run festivals down here in Australia and always looking for something new to do. So it was a very creative time, the 80s. There was a really healthy underground music scene. 
and there were a lot of clubs you could play in and you know you could just basically go around and do shows all year round with any kind of band and a number of different lineups yeah. it was a fun time I want to also bring up uh, one thing about Gordon's lyrics. You know, he's always been known to write uh, in a religious slant a lot of the time. And, and I could be completely wrong here because I don't know your personal lives. But uh, it, it, I never got the feeling that you and him were on the exact same path uh, spiritually uh, for whatever reason I perceive that. But I was kind of wondering, like, you know, for the style he wrote, how was that perceived in the band at that time? Well, Gordon Gordon was raised in Christianity because his father was a minister. So that's, you know, underlying in a lot of his, his stuff, whereas myself and, and Victor, we were we were just not not interested in that stuff. So it, but it wasn't really a a cause of problems between us because, you know, after all you meet and work with people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And we, we actually liked the provocative nature of some of the religious uh, songs, because rock and roll erroneously was perceived not to have that element. But if you actually look at it, the, the people who invented rock and roll were actually quite religious. You know, like if you look at Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Elvis, I mean, they all did gospel music. So when we would do gospel songs or uh, songs that, you know, had biblical themes, we thought that that was well within the tradition of american music and that that is actually the case well it's definitely made you know the violent films one of the most unique bands in rock and roll sort of as you're saying right there it's not a, a natural thing for a lot of bands to do and the way you do it has always been so fun well what what happens there is that most artists they create some sort of a persona it's similar to the social media thing, you know, like people have their Instagram or their Facebook, and then they very carefully cultivate what, they, what they're presenting to their uh, followers or whatever you call them. And, you know, we were never like that. You know, we, we, we didn't care whether we presented inconsistent viewpoints. Gordon, as a songwriter, never really tried to present himself in a favorable light. A lot of his songs, and, and this is probably especially true on the three albums since we're talking about that a lot of them are very self-deprecating or put him in a in an unfavorable light so that was one of the things that set us apart from most of the other bands who are just trying to be cool uh we never really tried to be cool <laughs> so that, that sort of brings us back up to the present and I, I do want to catch up with what you've been up to because um what is it 2011 2012 you, you you moved down to tasmania which is where i'm calling you from right now, where you call me from right now, but uh, but you, you to tell me about the music festivals because you do produce those, right? Well, I'm the music curator at a at a museum here in Tasmania, which is called Mona Museum of Old and New Art, and it's the voted the best contemporary art museum in the world. It's the largest uh, museum in the Southern Hemisphere, and you know I organize over a hundred musical events a year, including festivals which are quite popular and really diverse and interesting. So it's an outlet for a lot of my musical ideas. Um, and I get to help a lot of musicians. And, and the Femmes uh, even played here last year. Uh, we played a couple shows with the symphony orchestra 
which was the first time we had done that. So it's it's very interesting putting together this kind of stuff. And it's I guess it's kind of like having a, a grand radio show where you can play anything you want, but it's not it's not recordings. It's actually bringing the people to the other side of the world to do shows. It's very interesting. And and so and and you you do still split your time with the Fems on that mark. I mean, is that what you were saying a minute ago? The new record's already uh, in process. Yeah, we've we just finished it up last week, uh, more or less with the um, sequence and the and and the mixing and all that stuff. So it's ready to go. It'll be coming out in a few months. Yeah, it's really a good recording. And similar to three, since we're talking about that, it is it is it's basically a you know very uh, straightforward and uh, mainly acoustic recording. A little bit of electric stuff. A lot of it rocks, and some of it is going in different directions. So it's it's kind of a mix of our early sound and then whatever else we're into now. Very interesting recording. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how people respond to that and done in five days well we recorded in five days and then we make you know the Ooh. mixing takes some more time but basically the creative process was about five days amazing it really is amazing i don't know why i'm so blown away by that i mean i guess because once again you know it's a comparison to what you hear from everybody else when it takes them nine months two years or whatever and 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 here you all are <laughs> in five days and well we we never really found that that the more we worked on a record, the better it got. <laughs> Sometimes it's like the more we worked on it, the more confused we got. So when you can really focus and just get it done, your first idea is usually your best idea anyway. Once you start second guessing, uh, that's when you go off in, on down blind alleys. So th- that's just the way we work. And I guess we probably would look at a lot of the music that's being made today and it's too contrived or you know they, they're making it on a computer and making sure that everything lines up perfectly and we're not into perfection we like the rawness and we like the, the natural aspects of music making well we loved you know we can do anything that record you put out a few years ago i mean i know we get a lot of play here in louisville but uh it, it was just nice hearing that you're still doing it and it's still quality stuff well i heard that you guys are playing us in louisville because my my brother and my mother live there so right sometimes they say that they've that they've heard us on the radio there you're, so yeah, appreciate that yeah your brother emailed uh i think um uh we were playing the uh, children of the revolution cover and uh and and I've got I mean I've I've got a lot of femmes in rotation here, but I think that one specifically he gave me an email that day to uh, sort of uh, an e high five I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And well, my my nephew's got a band down there called Anchorite. Oh, we're playing them too. Are you? Yeah. Okay, so it's a family affair. <laughs> no, I didn't Excellent. know that was the connection. That's that's really really awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a really good little band. I mean, we're, I've 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 only heard the song that we're playing, which I don't remember the name of right now. But uh, no, it's a great little rock song. It really is. Yeah, I've been following their development over the last few years, and they, they're getting better and better all the time. Oh, it's fun cool. to see the younger generation coming up and and playing rock and roll music like that yeah so do you know when we're going to hear from you guys with this record is there a timeline yet well we'll we'll be touring in may i think i think uh that'll be before we release the album and then we'll tour again later on in the summer and and into the autumn so i think the album is slated to be released in june or july some somewhere in there well i can't wait to hear it it's always exciting to have new material from you all right, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Right. Nice talking with you today. You too, Brian. Take care and uh, and have a great day. And we'll see you and hear from you soon. 
Hope to see, hope to play in Louisville, one of these tours. Yeah, we'd love it. We really would. Cheers. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, a big O thanks to Brian Ritchie of the Violent Femmes. A new record on the way. Also, it was really fun talking about the 30th anniversary of their fourth album called Three. Hey, if you haven't already, uh, please do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. You can check us out on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, on YouTube and Spotify, and really wherever you get your podcasts from, we're located there as well. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. Get your music and film news at consequenceofsound.net. You can follow me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.